We have come to the 12th and final of our series of the fascinating, life-altering Word of God. To put the capstone on all that we've been talking about, Joshua, we're going to uh, talk about some helpful tools that people can use. We talked about, let me just kind of review. Uh, week one of this was the Bible. What is Scripture? What is the history of the Bible? What is it made up of? The inspiration, inerrancy, infallibility, authority, clarity, sufficiency, and necessity. Pretty good stuff. And then we went on to the exposition or how to exposit Scripture, hermeneutics, homily. Exegesis, eisegesis, four ways to study the Bible, the lens and framework, what is dispensationalism, covenantal theology, uh, literary language, law, gospel, narrative, all types of stuff like that, paradoxes and how to handle those things and uh, apparent contradictions, things that seem to contradict, but they they don't. And then last week, or last episode before this one, we talked about don't despise doctrine, and that's theology matters, systematic theology matters. So we want to kind of put a, as I said, a capstone on this thing and bring people some tools, some things that we use when we're expositing the scripture, when we're doing our hermeneutical work, when we're preparing a sermon, when we want to do devotional study, when we want to uh, teach the word, all these type of things, what uh, some of the help. So uh, let's just take it one at a time. You do one, I'll do one. We'll go back and forth. Uh, let's start with uh, online tools. Do you use any? Definitely. Uh, yeah. Before before we jump into the tools, just just a quick little uh, thing to say regarding it. You know, if you're a tradesman, you have tools for your trade. If you're a doctor, yeah, you would have tools uh, in your profession so that you could do you know what you're doing well. And so I think that's just important to say here. You know, we have tools to um, rightly divide God's word, to understand it better. And uh, all of these things are meant to highlight, explain, expose, enrich, deepen uh, our understanding of God's word. So it's not superimposing anything on it. It's, it's using chisels and tools and so we can dig deep and, and find the, the, the important, like you said, uh, one of the previous podcasts, the jewels, you know, below the surface. Maybe and so, dig, dig, yeah. If you if you just go, if you just read on a surface level, it may not be fascinating or life altering. If you stay in it and dig the meaning and use some of these tools we're talking about today, definitely, you're, you're going to you will be fascinated if you come to this thing with an open heart, hungry for Jesus. <clears throat> wanting him to speak to you and praying about it, as we talked about previously, uh, then these tools can be a secondary help. They're not your the Bible and your own personal journey into the that hunger for God is primary, but these would be secondary tools. And as we said in one episode too, it's always good to read your text over. If you're studying a chapter of a Bible, for instance, just read it <clears throat> over and over again before you go to the tools Unless something kind of catches you off guard and you need to help under you, if you don't know the definition of a word or something right. like that, then you could do that. But And you can do that with a, a one verse, a chapter. Uh, my wife and I did the book of Hebrews uh, every morning and every night for 30 days. We read the book of Hebrews out loud uh, together. And uh, it, was, it took a long time, yeah. so it's, but it was it was well worth it. We missed a, some, we missed a few days, but uh, pretty much got to it. And so there's uh, you know Bible first, then these tools. Yeah, I would say before we get into the tools, I'd say the very first tool is to have a good translation of the Bible and to have some other translations of the Bible. We said this before, but you know, if you mainly read the ESV, um, get two or three other translations of the Bible. Um, obviously, you were about to mention online things. You know, because of online resources, you really have access to many different versions of the Bible. So I think you know the very first thing would be to have 
a Bible that you can read and understand, and then a few other versions of the Bible that can help highlight or uh, maybe say the same thing, but in slightly different language to help expose light on it. And then I believe you were, you asked uh, about online tools. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm a book guy, so you've been in my office. I have yeah. tons of commentaries and books, and, and as I know you do down in, in your study, and at your office. Um, so I, I kind of grew up in the era of when I was in seminary, uh, online was just kicking in. And so, you know, a lot of my t- hours were spent in an actual library <laughs> at school. Um, but no, online resources are amazing, and I, and I use plenty of them. Um, I have a, a very a newest, I think the second latest version of a program called Logos. And within Logos, there's so many of almost the everything. many everything we're about to mention. Yeah. <laughs> almost all of that would be in there. And I think one of the advantages of having online tools is how quickly you can get to them, how easy it is to cross-reference them, how easy it is to pull you know multiple things up side by side and look at them that way. So um, I think both things are good. But yeah, I, I use Logos a lot. And and then another tool I use. Um, quite often uh, at work and when I exegete the scripture as Bible Hub. Um, what I usually do when I'm studying the Bible, because I try to break it down in Greek if I'm in the New Testament or Hebrew if I'm in the Old Testament, even if you've never studied the languages, when you go to Bible Hub, if you put in, you know, John chapter 15, Greek, and you go do that in Bible Hub, it's going to come up on your screen and it's going to have English under it. Right. It's going to have the the Hebrew or the Greek word on top of it. And what's cool for me is underneath the English word, it has what it is. Is it a verb? Is it a pronoun? Is And then, then the word itself, you can click on the word, and then it's going to take you to a place where it's going to give you the etymology of the word, it, you know, where the word originated. In the New Testament case, is this exclusively a Greek word or is this a Greek word that was translated from Hebrew? And so many different like nuances to it. You, you could even tell you how many places this is used in the New Testament. One of the coolest parts about it for me personally is you find that there are a word, a word that's used several times but might be translated with a different English word in other places. And so I think th- tools like that are just invaluable. And and the cool part is Logos does is something you pay for, and it's it's not terribly cheap. But um, Bible Hub is something that's free on every computer. So you can use it, and um, as long as you got internet, you're good to go. Yeah, yeah, the, I use, uh, for, the, for a quick question, I'll go, <clears throat> I won't go to Logos for... Something fast, like if I'm reading a text right. and I just want to find it, you know, the strong concordances within that <clears throat> for that word or how it's broken down in the various languages, Hebrew or Greek. Um, yeah, I'll go to Bible Hub. <clears throat> if I want to, if I'm really kind of zeroing in on a verse or a series of verses, then then I'll use Logos as well. Uh, <clears throat> and for me, just because I'm, I'm older than you, um, and so I started later on the online stuff. <clears throat> Logos is a bit clunky. I have a hard time, like, with that. There's a box up here, and there's a box down there, and there's a box over here, and there's a line over here. And, there, and I was just like, ah. So I, I, I'm a little slower with Logos, although it's a great product. And somebody younger and newer uh, starting off, they're going to be able to, to do it, that pretty well. It is well, great. I, think. I, I find myself using Bible Hub more than I use Logos. The okay. thing that Logos has that Bible Hub doesn't have that I use a lot is while I do have a library of books, the version of Logos I have has 
tons of resource yeah. books. And so that's what I probably use. I don't I use the tools of Bible Hub probably more than I do of Logos. I almost never use them. But what I have in Logos is a library of books yeah. that I could I can search right. quotes, I can search that sort of stuff. And so that's for me that's probably the biggest benefit yeah. of Logos. But I am like you. Um I don't know if this is an age thing. Uh, you know, I, I like the tactileness of having the paper I there. An and I, I'm a big <laughs> underliner and write in the margins. So I have a hard time. If it's online, I could get lost in in the, in the cloud. Whereas I know my Bible, Ezekiel 42, I have this underlined and I'll go to Ezekiel 42 and there it is. Oh, I remember reading that. And sometimes I'll even put a date when I read that. And, um, and so just that. Uh, speaking of the difference between an electronic version of something and the paper, um, I, I preached two or three times, I remember, over the past few years, and I said, hey, I'm going to be a cranky old man, and when you get to be a cranky old man, you just sort of say whatever you want to say. And so I started saying, you know, I wish we would still have the Bible in church, the the, the book with pages. Um, number one is when you're preaching and you tell people turn and they all have their phones, you don't know whether they're checking out the sports scores or uh, emailing right. people, uh, whereas, you know, the turning of the, they called the turning of the leaves, you know, you could hear the the sounds of the leaves turning. Um, so I, and then I kind of stopped, okay, I'm going to stop saying that because, you know, people can learn different ways than me and I, I don't want to be. And then I actually uh, I had to be careful not to be arrogant and full of pride because uh, I found a book, <clears throat> ordered it online, I ordered it, but I got the, the, the actual paperback book. And the whole book is about a study they did that, uh, you know, like a scientific study, this, like, a, I think it was a 30% increase in, uh, memory and content uh, comprehension when you were reading it from uh, paper and ink. So there's so many other proven, things uh, proven right by scholars and yes. scientists. So. There's so many other things to do in your phone. I think that's one of the problems. Mm. You know, you go go to turn to the Bible while you're the pastor's pre- preaching and then your yeah. Facebook notification comes <laughs> up or you realize you got a text from grandma or whatever. Yeah. I think that, you know, not it's not a legalism, but I, I also, yeah. I my when I'm in church, I got my Bible in my lap, my phone typically on my under my seat, yeah, and I'm get just rid of my phone. For yeah, that. I need yeah. to I need to focus on God's yeah. word. Um, you know, those are online resources. Kind of encompass all the other resources, but maybe let's talk about some of the other okay. things yeah. that you can use. Um, you know, we've mentioned commentaries before. Yeah. I think it's important to uh, got some samples here. Oh yeah, great. Go ahead. I think it's important to you know to realize that there's a wide array of commentaries. You know, you're, and, and I think for the for the general, you know, studier of the Bible, you know, there's there's I have commentaries in my office that are so detailed. You know, there's so much information there, which is great. Yeah. But um, where they're you know they're breaking down every nuance of the history and work. Like the K E I L and. Yeah, you know that one. That was yeah. That gets and, extremely and, complex. You know, and Phillips. You know, J.B. Phillips is a commentary that many other commentators comment on because it's so exhaustive. But I think um, you know, having good resources. The way I look at commentaries is, I I want to have a couple of different streams of theology represented. You know, I want to have old, I want to have a tr- something all biblical. Not I don't mean streams like progressive Christianity or things that are. Uh, you know, heretical, but I mean like within evangelical Christianity, faithful men of God, I'm going to have a, you know, I have a a set of John Calvin's writings and I have a set of John Wesley's writings right next to each other. And I think it's, to me, it's helpful to kind of look at different men's writings. You, You know, what's really encouraged me about most of the commentary work that I've done 
is that while there are some divisive issues in uh, evangelical Christianity, it seems like 90% of the time you go to these men that are supposedly so far apart from each other, when they're most of what we're seeing in the scriptures, the yeah, same. Right. And, and it, to me, that's very comforting when I'm like, Oh yeah, they, this, most people believe this. You get to a tough chapter. Maybe people are different, but having a good commentary, a, a few good commentaries of the Bible are, I think is very, very helpful. You can even get some, the classic Matthew Henry. I think everybody has a copy of Matthew Henry. Problem is the language is, is older. Um, you got the expositors commentary, um, uh, Warren Wearsby made a pretty simple commentary. So there's a lot of different commentaries. The um, Starting with simple, I'd say Warren Wearsby's um, William Barclay. Yeah. Um, he has these little paperbacks, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They're about 150 pages. Uh, and they're, they, they are commentaries, but they're a little bit like in... Devotional, devotional commentaries. Too. Yeah, yeah, yeah so I like Barclay. I, yeah. think it's, I think it's a... It's a very helpful yeah. uh, tool for reading the Bible for all Christians. Yeah, those two, if, if you're new in Christ and new to studying theology and doctrine, I think those two, Wearsby and Barclay, might be a good starting place. Um, then this one is, I'd say, in the middle ground. It's not uh, super depth, uh, but it's not way out there. Uh, it's not super easy, but not uh, not too light, not too heavy, I guess. It's right. Just kind of like uh, the porridge is just right, not too hot, not too cold. Um, so there's... Uh, 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 this one just happens to be on Second Corinthians. I just pulled this out of my library uh, to kind of show you what it's like. And this one's just a couple hundred pages, uh, but it uh, has some great content. It'll it'll talk about the, the language and the culture and the content and the context and so good stuff like that. One thing I, I I think it's important to say about commentaries. We've alluded to this fact, but I've had many many young students or young people that have come to me, you know, over the years, uh, new to faith or young adults or whatever, who misunderstand something. It's okay to read a commentary from the beginning to end if you want, but so you're not overwhelmed. What we really use commentaries for is when we're studying a certain section of Scripture, we use the commentary as like a companion for it. So, so we're not saying read this whole commentary, you know, and read your Bible and do all this other stuff. No, it's like I'm, I'm reading 1 Corinthians 15. Let's look at a couple commentaries and see what some men of God um, are saying about this passage of Scripture. Of course, like Pastor Gary said, after we've read the text in and of itself. And so we got commentaries. Um, I think it's important, too, to have—there's um, two different kinds, um, but just a, uh, a Bible dictionary— and then there's also theological dictionaries, which right. do have a lot more insight for serious study of the Bible, but really just a quick reference point to be able to define words that maybe are not common to us that we run across in the Bible. And even though sometimes an English language Bible is very helpful, there's still things that, that you know are translated where you, you need to know what that means rather than uh, it, just because it's not common to, you know, to our language and so... Pastor Joshua West here, co-host of the Gary Wilkerson podcast. I want to invite you to go to worldchallenge.org and listen to the latest sermon series from myself and from Gary Wilkerson. I said this maybe in a previous podcast, but when you study the Bible, it's so important. Um, if you're reading a section of scripture, I think maybe I didn't say this in a podcast, but you know, like in Matthew, when uh, John the Baptist is talking about 
Jesus coming and saying, make crooked paths straight. He's coming with a winnowing fork in his hand and he's going to wipe the threshing floor clean. If you don't know what a winnowing fork is and you don't know what a threshing floor is, then that scripture isn't going to mean anything to you. But once you realize what a winnowing fork is, it's it's how they separated the, the, the chaff and the wheat and the threshing floor. It's this bumpy floor on the place they did it. And then you realize that David talks about this and Jesus again talks about it in Matthew 5. Learning what these two terms meant is going to open up so much about the scripture. And every time we study the scripture, we're, you know, none of us know what these words mean until we find out. And so Bible dictionary is good. That's good. And, you know, so, so I think there's this sort of subtle pull away from some of these tools because you think, oh, no, I just need to get it from the Holy Spirit. But like when my kids were learning, uh, math, and they said to me, you know, Dad, what's five plus five? I'd say, you know, work it out. Go get it from the Holy Spirit, yeah, son. Yeah, no, yeah, right. <laughs> you, 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 the Holy Spirit, you know, wants you to know that, um, you know, he wants you to be well-educated, uh, but but he doesn't want to just, you know, kind of automatically download information to right. you. Because the actual work of it is part of our spiritual growth. And no the, doubt the, about the, that. The, 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 the uh, Sowing of the seed and the harvesting, all these things are... We are not conformed to the image of Christ through osmosis. There you go. That's a good way of saying it. Very, very... Yeah, so uh, after commentaries, then I I would go with uh, like uh, books like this one. We talked about this in one of the previous episodes. This is Systematic Theology uh, by Wayne Grudem. There are other ones, too, that are Systematic Theology. And um, before you buy one of them, I think, depending on what you're looking for, you could research it and say, okay, like I want to... Pentecostal systematic theology, or I want a Baptist one, or uh, you know, and so, or, or I want one that's more generic, not necessarily taking one position or another. Those are less; they're a little harder to find, but right. but but there are some of them out there. But this is, I, it's my favorite. I don't know if it's your favorite too. Or I something. think Grudem's systematic theology is very good because uh, you know, is while Wayne Grudem does have a an academic opinion, I think he's pretty careful to um, explain usually several different views on things and kind of let you know what one stream of theology views and what another is. I think it's very academic. I think another very good one to get that I think is uh, Grudem's is good, but I also think uh, by Miller J. Erickson, it's just called Christian Theology. And I used that in Bible college. um, And I think in the beginning of seminary before we started using this and some other ones. But um, Miller J. Erickson is called Christian Theology. And it's uh, it is a systematic, but it's not as um, uh, academic as uh, Grudem's is in okay. some places. Grudem's isn't terribly academic, no, it's not too hard. Uh, and it really is aimed at people. If you get to the end of every chapter of Grudem's systematic theology, there are questions and answers and vocabulary words. It's like you know he asks about three or four questions that helps you kind of process the information. It's very it's very aimed at people. But I was just saying a, another one I think is good as Grudem's and on, about on the same level. Miller J. Erickson's Christian Theology. It's a good one. Yeah, just so you kind of get a picture of why you would want a volume like this. Starts off, uh, part one, the doctrine of the Word of God. Part two, the doctrine of God. Part three, the doctrine of man. Who, who is man? Why was he created? The doctrine of Christ. Uh, application of redemption. The future. The doctrine of the church. And within each of those, then there are subcategories so the doctrine of the church has the nature of the church, the purity of the church, the unity of the church, the power of the church, church government. So it's uh, it, it covers a lot of ground, and certainly it's a big book. 
our advice would probably be the same as you said about concordances. You know, you don't have to read it from page one to page 600 or 800, whatever it is, 1,200. Right. Uh, you don't have to, it's not a book to say, you know, I'm on chapter four. Now, you can if you want to. I mean, I think you're doing that with your wife now going through. Definitely. Uh, but you're not necessarily sitting down and, you know, just trying to get through it as fast as you can. It's, it's, you're using it as a study book, so highly recommend that book as well. I pulled my phone up while you're pulling okay. another book yeah. out just because I, I didn't prepare for this, but I wanted to look up one thing. There's a particular church history that I wanted to okay. recommend. Well, while, uh, while you're doing you're that, doing... I'll go into one. After <clears throat> systematic theology books, then um, particular authors that speak to your heart. Um, you know, there's some people that they recommend somebody to me, and I go like, they're so excited about it. And then by the time I get it, I'm like, oh, that really didn't hit me. So, But once I find an author that does, then I try to buy everything that they have. And one of them is called The Treasury of David. Uh, but I'm pointing this one out basically just because anything Charles Haddon Spurgeon has put out is is well written, well very thoughtful, very spirit filled, very biblical, uh, very trustworthy. So, uh, but for me, because I'm going through the study of uh, and preaching on through the Book of Psalms uh, right now, this is probably one of the premier books that I have uh, in front of me almost at all times. Did you find yeah, that? Yeah, I did, okay. and I I don't want to miss that. I per- I love Spurgeon's writing, and I love the Treasury of David. It's such a uh, I think an important book, especially when you're reading, um, you know, the writings of King David. Yeah. Two things I wanted to recommend. One is um, uh, church history, um, the history of the church. You may not understand why that's important to rightly divide the word of truth, but it is because as doctrines have been, you know, defended and um, held to over the course of church history. I think, you know, you don't have to be a church historian, but I think if you really want to study theology, reading a church history book um, would be helpful. So there's two that I recommend. There's one that's very simple, and it's called um, Church History Made Easy. Mm-hmm. It's a very simple book written by Timothy Paul Jones. He's a PhD, and that's a very thin, surface-level, event-centered church history that starts from uh, the ascension of Christ up into modern times. And this one isn't terribly academic at all, but it's just a little more um, uh, thick, a little more detailed. It's called The Story of Christianity, and it's by Justo Gonzalez, and it's a two-part. And so um, the first one is the early church to the dawn of the Reformation, and then the second part is from the Reformation to modern Christianity. And so um, I, would, I would recommend acquainting yourself with, uh, with some church history. Good, good. Thank you. That's, that's important. Um, I was talking about Spurgeon earlier, and uh, reading his writings is good, but uh, I, like, um, I like books that tell about the life of people. So I've got this series here, um, a long line of godly men profiles. It's called. It's uh, this one's by Stephen Lawson. It's on. It's about Spurgeon, but but they have one about John Owen. A lot of the Puritan writers and uh, different different and, and those are really encouraging. You know, sometimes if I ever get to the place where, uh, you know, it's, man, I just I'm not encouraged. Uh, you know, to go on and preach and to study and to work hard at this, and then I'll read about you know one of these guys and it's just like how they gave themselves to. Prayer and ministry of the word. Definitely, and I said I'm, I'm re-encouraged all over again. So, 
Uh, that's that's good. And yes, we don't. Uh, I think we'll probably wrap things up here because we don't want to overwhelm people. Uh, sure. Prob- probably giving them more tools already than they could do that. And just to re-encourage you, if you're if you're starting to sweat and going like, oh my goodness, I'm so far behind in this. I didn't know I should be doing all these things. You don't have to do all these things. Uh, you know, the Bible and. Uh, uh, you know, certainly maybe one or two other, maybe one, you know, one small set of the, the easier commentaries we talked about. Yes. I think you could be fine with all of that. Uh, but again, you know, it's like put all the books of the world on one side of the table and this one stands alone on that side. It is, it is unique. It is inspired like nothing else. And so, you know, spend, spend most of your time there. Um, just in closing, um, we were talking about books. I, I wrote a book, a biography about my father called the David Wilson, uh, uh, the man who believes and I'd love for you to pick that one up. Divine intercessors about prayer, God's favor. These are not anywhere measurable compared to the Spurgeons and the ones we just read. But uh, if you want something that's, that's a little bit more modern and if you're kind of getting to know Joshua and I, I wanted to let you know a little bit about our resources. Uh, we hope that these things bless you. And then Joshua wrote uh, three books. Your first one was Hard Sayings, right? No, it was Simple first Gospel. Was simple Gospel. So simple. simple Gospel was the first one, and that's a, a powerful book. You're going to want to read that. And then Hard Sayings, right? Hard Sayings. Hard yeah. Sayings uh, is 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 a important one. A lot of people is that the one that's most people have yes, purchased be- more than the, others. The best selling out of all the three, yeah. And then Come and Die is your newest one. Yeah, uh, Come and Die is is a book mainly about Christian discipleship. So yeah. I I think it's. Uh, you know, obviously, I'm proud of all my writing, but I think that one answers questions for Christians specifically about things like justification, sanctification, how do we worship God rightly, yeah. things that are, you know, very practical. Yeah, that's good. And there was a tremendous forward in here, too. I was <laughs> deeply blessed by that. That's because I wrote it. Yes. Uh, but, you know, not to quote myself, but I'm, I'm quoting Spurgeon here in your forward. And this kind of ties into all that we were saying in this episode of our, our podcast. Um, Spurgeon says, earnestly desire godly books, 2 Timothy 4.13. Uh, Paul, speaking of Paul, uh, Spurgeon says, he was inspired, yet he wants books. He asked Timothy to bring the books to him, the, 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 the parchments. Uh, he had been preaching for over 30 years, yet he wants books. He had seen the Lord, yet he wants books. He had a wider, wider experience than most men do, and yet he wants books. He had been caught up into the third heaven and heard things that were not lawful for a man to utter, yet he wants books. He had written a major part of their testament, yet he wants books. So, uh, I think if if Paul wanted books, uh, then we probably should too. Yeah, what's the uh, the finality of the Spurgeon quote, though? Live in many good books, or uh, visit uh, many good visit books, many books, but live in the Bible. In the Bible and yeah. so I think, the uh, to me, the mark of, you know, not to be self-promoting about Gary's writing or my writing or even other men that we that we admire. The mark of a good Christian book is not that it's some sort of revolutionary thing. The mark of a good book is that it points you towards Christ and his book. Amen. And I think that's that's what the a lot of Christian biographies do, a lot of Christian inspirational books do um, that are biblical and a lot of theological books. It's not to give us new information. It's to enlighten, point us towards the yeah. source of, of all that's truth, it. and that is God's word. Amen. That's good stuff. Well, this is wrapping up, uh, I think, a very powerful 12-week series. This is probably the first time we've done anything uh, of this um, measure and depth and length on one topic. And man, you and I both know that it's our heart's desire and our prayer that people would be 
stirred, st- stirring up those things that God put within you. Um, we didn't get the opportunity to lay hands on you, that, like like Paul did with Timothy, to encourage him in his gift. But if we if we could just stand with you right now and pray for you, that uh, that these things would stir you. Well, as a matter of fact, let me just do that. Let me just pray for you, Father. I pray for uh, those who have been kind enough to take time to listen to us. If this is the first episode, I pray you'd put on their heart to go back and listen to all twelve, and that that get it, they would get refreshed in the Word of God, enamored by the fact that you speak to us. Um, clearly um, understanding the nature of the Word of God and how it's everything we need for life and godliness. So we, we just reach out to them now and say, Jesus, anoint them to have a fresh wind and fresh fire for your Word, your Spirit making it alive. Let, let it leap off the page to them. If it's dry to them, I pray you would renew them. If, if they're just overwhelmed with other activities and they can't seem to find time, I pray that you would just... Uh, just freeze them in a sense, shut down everything else for a moment in time during the day and, and revive the understanding of the what it's like to hunger for the Word of God. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Joshua. God bless you. God bless you too. If you're enjoying the podcast but want to dig deeper, both Gary and Joshua have books that you can buy right now on our online store. Go to worldchallenge.org and click on the store tab at the top of the page. There you'll find books written by David Wilkerson, Gary Wilkerson, Joshua West, and others as well. Check it out today. Ephesians 6.18 says that we should pray at all times in the Spirit with all kinds of prayer and supplication. If you would like someone at World Challenge to pray with you, visit worldchallenge.org forward slash prayer or call us at 1-833-WC-PRAISE. Again, that's 1-833-WC-PRAISE. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you next time. 